Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So in this episode, we're going to be talking all about bad creature types. And I want to start off by saying that I don't think a creature type is bad just because just because the cards it's been printed on are bad. Uh, like, I don't hold it against the crocodile creature type if most of the crocs that have been printed are common, limited fodder. Um, when I say a bad creature type, I mean a type that introduces new vocabulary and makes the game harder to learn without benefiting gameplay or opening up design space. Like to me, a bad creature type actually makes the game worse. Uh, and and mm-hmm. want to contrast that with like a good creature type. I think a good creature type is resonant, uh, meaning that the audience has existing knowledge about the thing being represented that cards of this type can make use of. So a good example would be like Scophos Maze Warden. Uh, this is a, a minotaur that was printed in Theros Beyond Death. And it has whenever another creature becomes the target of an ability of a land you control named Labyrinth of Scophos, you may have Scophos Maze Warden fight that creature. So it's super, super flavorful, but it only makes sense because of the Minotaur creature type. If the Minotaur creature type didn't exist, you would not understand the flavor of this card. It's not you wouldn't really be able to print this card, but it's only because the Minotaur type exists that this design space became available. And I think there's a lot of designs like that um, that really trade on the flavor of their type. Uh, And so like those types are valuable things to keep in the game. Um, Another sort of criterion I look for when, when determining what is a good creature type, I think a good creature type is distinct from all other creature types. So at one point in the game, uh, Falcon was a distinct type from bird so like in the weatherlight set there was dusk rider falcon which is a summon falcon and circling vultures or rock hatchling both of which are summon birds uh so it's like did the game really benefit from keeping falcon distinct from bird like could you name like what are the characteristics of a falcon that makes it distinct from other birds could you clearly identify a falcon from other birds I, th- I think the answer for like the general public is perhaps not. And, uh, and, and also it just like taxonomically didn't make a lot of sense. Like there's 10,000 species of birds and only 40 species of falcons. So it's not like, you know, half of all birds are falcons. It's, it's just uh, falcons are for some reason pulled aside in, in like magic's taxonomy at the time. Fortunately, they've since been merged. Um, but uh, today we're going to be talking about like some of the worst creature types, the types that do not fulfill either of these criteria. Uh, <laughs> and there, there's sort of like some broad categories of like how the, the worst creature types in the game shake out. Um, but before we start discussing these terrible creature types, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right. With that, let's jump into the first category. So uh, th- this first category of terrible creature types is made up hybrids. 
So there are a lot of hybrid mythical creatures out there. You know, you've got uh, you've got griffins, you've got um, hippocamps, mermaids, many, many, many different uh, mythical animals that are really just two things mashed together. And I think representing most of those in magic is fine because they're things people have already heard about or they're like represented in a way that make use of categories people are already familiar with. So like hippocamps, are, it's kind of like an aquatic horse. But in magic, because they, they kind of figure most people don't know that what the hell a hippocamp is, a hippocamp is represented as a horse fish on the type line. But there are a couple hybrid types that are unique to magic. Um, they, they really exist nowhere else in, in fantasy or history, and which combine two or more creature types into one thing. So one of them is org, O-R-G-G. Uh, orgs are one of the least resonant creature types in magic because they were invented by author Sonia Oren Liris for the magic novel And Peace Shall Sleep. Um, for those who don't know, orgs are a race of half-breeds between orcs and ogres. So, you know, when I see this, my question is, of course, like, why would we ever introduce a type that represents a hybrid that is less resonant than either of the parent types? Like, ogre is part of English speakers' normal lexicon. Orcs are, you know, at the very least popularized by Lord of the Rings. Like, people know what an orc is, kind of. But an org is meaningless to everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there really is no reason that this couldn't have been just an orc ogre on the type line. You know, like it's in the name. I think all the orgs because there's not many of them. I think there's like two or three of them. And like Yeah, there's like four. Four of them. Yeah. And like they could have been like butcher org O R G G and it was an orc ogre. And honestly, that would have explained what was going on to people more than just like this angry looking green hulky thing, you know, on the art. Like that would have been more resonant to people because they would have been like org and they would have seen orc ogre and been like, oh, okay. And like Mm -hmm. it would have like explained what was going on. Um, There would have been like ironically more resonance between the book and like the rest of magic and fantasy like nomenclature as a whole but that's mm-hmm. not the world that we got <laughs> sadly yeah and and it's really unfortunate because like orgs are like like choosing to uh to typify them this way to codify them this way whatever uh actually makes the cards mechanically worse like there is yeah. orc tribal effects and there is ogre tribal effects so to have a card to to represent orgs as neither of those types uh, just means that, and of course there's no tribal org effects because who would ever want that? Um, so yeah, it just makes the cards worse, makes them more confusing, uh, terrible creature type, zero <laughs> out of five stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll agree with you on that one. All right. I, I feel like we, we have, we may disagree a little bit on this next one <laughs> um, based on our pre-recording conversation, but yep, yep. uh the the other made up hybrid I want to talk about today is Feldegriff, uh, and I know this is perhaps a hot take, perhaps something 
people have uh, an emotional response to, but I'm going to proceed. Um, so Feldegriffs were introduced on the card Feldegriff from Alliances. Um, and basically they are hippos, purple hippos with wings. Uh, so they're in addition to the one from Alliances, there is also questing Feldegriff, but it's a creature type made up solely because it it's an anagram of Garfield PhD. It's a vanity creature type, uh, the only one in existence. Um, and I really don't know why you would force people to learn this. Like <laughs> I, I can accept like Pegasus is a creature type in magic because like the story of Pegasus is famous and the name is going to be familiar to new players starting a game. But nobody knows what the hell a Feldegriff is. It's an in-joke, an extremely obscure in-joke. And like, like clearly what we're looking at is a hippo. There's no reason to call it anything else other than to confuse people. Even its <laughs> mechanics tell us it's a hippo. Like the, it, both of them make hippo tokens. How? Where are the hippo to- tokens coming from if the thing itself is not a hippo? It's birthing them. Like a- Anyway, tell me your thoughts on the Feldegriff. Yeah, so I mean, from... A like logical standpoint, I'm gonna say that like everything you're saying is true and makes sense. Um, like I think there's no reason it shouldn't have been a bird hippo or some kind of like hybrid type like that. Like when they've done other hippos, um, and there are very very few of them. There are six in Magic. Period. Um, so the only other hybrid hippo we've gotten was Karuga the Macrosage, which is a dinosaur hippo because it was on Acoria and. Uh, Akoria had loved throwing as many creature types on a type line as possible, more so than Simic even liked mm-hmm. doing. Um, so, I mean, logically, that makes the most sense. But my argument for like why I I like Feldegriff and why I think Feldegriff is okay is that like a like Hippo isn't really a supported type, um, and like having an in joke and some kind of whimsy in your game is something that people. Uh, appreciate and something that like makes like the player lore of the game uh like stronger so like yes mechanically if you're a new player and you see feldegriff you're like oh so it's a hippo and you go no uh it's a feldegriff (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that doesn't make that much sense but what i would argue feldegriff is doing is that for people in the know it creates like sense of community like oh feldegriff did you know it's an anagram for like richard garfield like you know like like garfield phd and and uh it it creates a sense of like community within the people in the know so i think taking a creature type in this one instance that just is absolutely not supported i think feldegriff the only hippos even close to the same time period that were around was there's pygmy hippo and visions um and I think in Urza's saga, there's Bull Hippo. Yes. Um, so that's what, like 90, 98, 90, yeah, 98. So Bull Hippos from 1998. Um, and Pygmy Hippos from even earlier, from 96. So there really wasn't like a lot of support. And they really have never supported Hippos in general. So that would be my argument. It's a little bit different when like, um, a card is like specifically supporting a type and it's not like there's the one horse from um from hour of devastation that made horse tokens and really like the card was a life gain reward and it used creature types as like the 
way to facilitate that, but people saw it was Crested Sunmare. Um, it says other horses you control have indestructible at the beginning of each end step. If you gain life this turn, create a five five white horse creature token. And people thought, oh heck yeah, horse lord. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. let's do horse tribal. And I'm pretty sure within wizards they were like, what? Like what horse tribal? <laughs> like like I think they were looking at it from a very Melvin stance. Um Yeah. That that was me. I was the Melvin. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think you were looking at it. Oh, I guess from a Melvin sense, but I, I think they just didn't put the pieces together that if they put horses you control have indestructible, that like it would be seen as a horse tribal card. If that makes sense, like so, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they missed that internally um, because there are a lot more horses than there are hippos <laughs> in Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this this is the one time that I'll push back. I think the whimsy and like the lore of Feldegriff is okay in this one instance because like hippos aren't missing out on stuff, but like ogres, orcs, and some of the next few creature types we're about to talk about, like are actively missing out on really cool cards. Uh, and it's all because it's all because like magic didn't like either want to do something or they didn't have the foresight to do something or they were afraid of it or, you know, like something happened that made them print a really cool card that now just doesn't, work anywhere else and so i guess that do you want to move on to this next archetype or do you want to do you want to well i'll I'll say one last thing which is that i am perfectly willing to to wear the black hat and come out against the tyranny of whimsy um (laughs) but yes i i am willing to move on um okay next category is obsolete ripoffs of D D creature types um so there's been a couple occasions where Wizards has introduced types that was like clearly trying to capture the flavor of something from D&D um and which is fine like clearly there's like some sort of resonant thing that they're trying to address uh but the problem is like now that D&D is just a part of magic like and we have access to all of the D&D creature types well the the like uh like bootleg types that we had been using previously now just look kind of uh unnecessary and so it's kind of left them in an awkward place uh i'll I'll start off by talking about kithkin yeah so uh kithkin are like pretty clearly intended to be sort of magic's version of halflings um and really like even the way that Wizards describes Kithkin is really, really similar to how D&D resources describe halflings. Let me just read a couple passages uh, to you. So here's uh, an, an excerpt from a 2007 Ask Wizards article. The Kithkin are a near-human, white-lined race who tend to have a strong sense of community, simplicity, and forthrightness. They are quick, agile, and highly cooperative in battle. Also, they're short, topping out at about four and a half feet tall. And then from another Wizards article called Champions of Goldmeadow, the fundamental force that drives Kithkin psychology is the Thoughtweft, an almost subliminal understanding of the minds of other Kithkin. Thoughtweft naturally binds Kithkin together into tightly knit communities. And then here is uh, an excerpt from the D&D Beyond page on Halflings. Halfling practicality extends beyond their clothing. They're concerned with basic needs and simple pleasures and have little use for ostentation. 
They cherish the bonds of family and friendship, as well as the comforts of hearth and home, harboring few dreams of gold or glory. Uh, and in official D&D resources, halflings are about three feet tall. So like a strong sense of community, like agility, being cooperative, uh, favoring community and simplicity. Like there's a whole lot of traits in common between, and of course being short, like there's a lot of traits in common between uh, Kithkin and halflings. And, and really like there, I mean, you can point out some differences like Kithkin are, are shorter than humans, certainly, but taller than halflings. Uh, and like, there is this like thought weft, which is sort of like, uh, uh, this magical force that explains why their communities are so tightly knit. But I, I mean, you can't say that like Kithkin are not inspired at, at the very least inspired by halfling. That would be like the most generous interpretation. I mean, do you, what, what do you think? Do you, do you disagree? No, no, no. I actually, so, I mean, I think your analysis is correct. We're probably not going to get more Kithkin and especially not more like very powerful Kithkin outside of like a Modern Horizons set or like on the off chance we have a return to Lorrowin, which I don't think is going to happen. If we get a return to Lorrowin, it's going to be something like what happened with uh, Kamigawa where it's just like completely, for the most part, completely different mechanics, you know, like, so I think what's going on now is now that Wizards is okay printing halflings into magic and now that we're going to have more opportunities to have halflings, like we're going to get the modern legal Lord of the Rings set and we're going to keep having D&D crossovers. And I just have no doubt that we're going to f- see new planes in the future where they're just like, yeah, it's a halfling. I think Kithkin are suffering from that. Um, and the tragedy of that is that I think that like Kithkin could be different enough that they could support them and they're just not going to because it's, I think, probably too much of a risk probably takes up too much time and effort like the thought weft from Shadowmoor is a really interesting concept like what if we push the feelings of community into this like crazy xenophobia yeah xenophobic like same think group think that like if these creatures get too close together like forms around them like that's kind of like a cool concept that you can play with that you can make cards with that like creates conflict between like the self and other or like community and the self um you know like there's there's just a lot you can do with something like that it's cool space to play in and we're never going to get to play in it now uh, i don't think wizards is ever going to go back i think kithkin are not high on the priority of like creature types they want to fix uh, so that kind of sucks <laughs> it's them and a lot of other races we're going to talk about today are just just kind of got boned <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that like Kithkin is a term you have to introduce to people and yeah. halfling has more cachet like both just in the general fantasy community and like, you know, even for people who are paying close attention during Lord of the Rings, um they will have heard the word halfling before. So, I think the game would have been better off if they'd just all been halflings from the very beginning. Kithkin yeah. is seems vestigial at this point. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, I guess, can we segue into the next race? Because they <laughs> they absolutely suffer from this same similar era, except they are much, much more recent of, yes. a, of a mess up. <laughs> Please, uh, do you want to address this one? Yeah, sure. So um, people might uh, remember Battle Bond, which was an incredible set. I think 
most people who got to play it loved it. It had so many good reprints and cool new cards and commanders and et cetera, et cetera. Had the the tango lands or the the cool like battle bond dual lands. Um, it also had a creature type that uh, was introduced into the game. It was called Azra, and Azras have the appearance of a horned human with purple, blue, or dark shaded skin, um, and they. Uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, well, I don't know. Do you want to read off <laughs> some of some of the uh, world guide stuff, and maybe people can see it, this? Should be ringing some bells as to like a creature type that we've seen recently from some yes. other IP. You know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, this is from the article, "The World of Battle Bond" from the Visual Wizard site. Um, their distant demonic ancestry is reflected in their facial horns, but their facial shape can shift into a purely demonic snarl when they feel threatened. Wealth, taste, and trickery are the Azra's primary interests. The Azra love anything gold and shiny and aren't afraid to show off their wealth. Thus, most Azra become merchants, though others seeking quick coin might turn to a life of crime as rogues, assassins, or mercenaries. Uh, and then tieflings. Are, are the D&D analog that like Azra were cre- clearly trying to crib off of. So tieflings often have red or purple skin. And here's uh, some information from the D&D Beyond page on tieflings. However, their infernal heritage has left a clear imprint on their appearance. Tieflings have large horns that can take any of a variety of shapes. Some have curling horns like a ram. Others have straight and tall horns like a gazelle's and some spiral upward like an antelope's horns. Tieflings subsist in small minorities found mostly in human cities or towns, often in the roughest quarters of those places where they grow up to be swindlers, thieves, or crime lords. So uh, let's let's just kind of go through the checklist here, like demonic ancestry or and or infernal heritage. Uh, they both have horns. They have unusual skin tones. Both of them can be purple. There's slight variation yeah. beyond Blue, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like they can often end up as, you know, roguish types, uh, thieves and such. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much in common. Like clearly Azra are intended to be tieflings. And then whoops, a couple years later, like tieflings are now canon in magic. Um, so what what do you think? Do you think there's any benefit to keeping the Azra type around? Do you think that it would have been better off if they just been tiefling from the beginning? Yeah, I, I don't think. I, I don't when they were printed, I didn't like that they were printed. Like they should have just been like human demon or something, you know, like another mm-hmm. like hybrid that would have had a lot more uh crossplay with like other creature tribal types effects. and tribal effects yeah. yeah of the past and and now that tiefling exists within magic it's just like we're never gonna get another <laughs> like mm-hmm. azra printed again like unless it's like a modern horizon set or like an unset and they're riffing off of it for some reason so yeah i think that kind of blows um i think that like i don't know how much hindsight well i don't know how much foresight i should say um they had like if they knew they're gonna go to like D&D places if they wanted that to be a splash and if they did like why didn't they just like use a different like creature type or like call them Azra in world so on, on Battle Bond the demon humans are called Azra but they're still like tieflings or like mm-hmm. demon human you know like 
you can do a lot like <laughs> cough um uh, warlocks um where you know they might have a certain flavor uh, of of witches and they might be called witches and they might uh, behave and use certain visual tropes like like witches but <laughs> but they uh call them something else you know so it's not like they don't do that um why don't they just use it in a little bit better way instead of breaking my heart every time you know i know it, we're we're gonna have to I, I promise we're not going to focus much at all on the warlock. No, yeah, warlo- warlocks are fun. That. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll keep on moving. We have some. Um, at this point, we we kind of have bunched some together that like follow this similar pattern of like t- very similar to like other creature types. So I guess I guess actually we should transition into like the next category. So th- these were basically obsolete ripoffs. Um, and these next ones are basically like human, but blank or creature with blank. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're going to know a lot of them. There's been some famous cards that have these types. So, um, what's our first like ripoff category here? (laughs) Yeah. So, so I've, I've called this, this section humans, but blue. And of course the the first example here is going to be the Videlkin. Um, Really, like the Vidalkin, uh, they the like differences between Vidalkin and human are pretty subtle. Well, okay, there's, I mean, there's one obvious one, like they have blue skin, but beyond that, um, you know, they they may often be bald, but they they're just like reskinned humans. It's just like you know, in an old NES game, you get to a more difficult area, and it's the same enemies, but just the like palettes have been swapped. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, uh, you know what we should call this section is this is the uh, Star Trek alien section. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> World of hats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cause Vidalkin is basically just humans, but blue. It's like, sometimes they have four fingers and sometimes they have four arms and they're blue, but sometimes they're bald. And it's like, it's just a, like a human. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Like there's not, it, not a lot going on. Yeah, it's not super resonant. Like, oh, they're a little bit smarter than human, but they're not as <laughs> as charismatic. Like, okay, all right. Um, like, yeah, I, I think that Vidalkin does not is not really well differentiated from human. I think that they probably. I, I feel like there's better opportunities for like other races to to put in here, and and one thing I would um really like to see more of and that i'm probably going to advocate for a couple times during this episode is just like more anthropomorphism hold on i gotta get the word in front of (laughs) anthropomorphization uh of like types into like humanoid races so like leonin being cats um like you can do something with Leonins. You can give them a class. You can make them primary characters. Um, I think that there's lots of opportunities to do that with like blue races that they probably could have done instead of making this Vidalkin that they have to like explain and is not resonant or familiar to anyone. So, so uh, yeah, not super in love with the Vidalkin type. Um, but let's talk about some like even less common ones that kind of fall <laughs> into the same trope space. Um, how about, tell us about the core. 
Yeah, and, and core. actually, how are the core different from humans? Tell us all the ways in which core are not human. <laughs> so, um, core is basically like a human-like race. I think they're even described like that in like the world building guides. But they have pale grayish white uh, or pale like whitish blue skin. Drow are to elves as core are to humans. Just like this take the color slider and slide it all the way to white and like silver tones. And that's basically what a core is. They don't really have many other distinguishing features. I guess male core have like little barbells hanging from their chins. Although that's kind of like, I don't think, I think they've been consistent across worlds with that. And they, they were first yeah. introduced in Tempest. Um, and then they've been used a few other times in Zendikar I actually think it was only Zendikar. <laughs> it was just they, well, Wrath they were and Zendikar, on, right? Yeah, they, I mean, they were on Dominaria during Time Spiral, but that's because like Wrath got overlaid onto Dominaria, mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. same population, yeah, really. Yeah. So I guess technically, I just looked this up and our, on Arcavios, like the Strixhaven plane, there are core, even though we didn't necessarily see them. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, like Professor of Symbology. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we did see a few. I guess they're on Strixhaven, too. Um, So there you go. Um, (laughs) One more place where we got some core. And I think the thing about core is that um, they've had some good cards. So I think there are some people who really like them because they have, like, good associations with them. Like, I won this game with... uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, exactly. Or... um, uh, I think that might be the one good core. Mm, there's got to be one more good core. Akiri Line Slinger, like the the Akiris are core. Eile Eternal Pilgrim is a core. Um, if you played a lot of like, um, okay, all right, Rise of Apparition is a core. So I guess yeah, Dongler Invoker. Yeah, Dongler Invoker was like famously one of the best limited commons that you could open, and that was a core. So like, they, I think they've just pushed uh oh obviously core cartographer so there's a few of them that i think people really like that uh are just powerful cards and therefore like the positive associations will follow um even though i think this suffers from the basically same problem as uh as the uh yeah and and there's one more race that isn't it's basically blue humans even more so than uh even more so than but Alkin and Core, uh, which they don't really uh, even like use anymore. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I don't think we've seen one in. Yeah, like canonically, they have all died out. But the last blue human race we're going to talk about is the Metathran, uh, and this is on like eight cards or something. This is like a <laughs> genetically engineered super soldier race uh, that Urza created in order to fight off the Phyrexians and. Supposedly, they all died like either during in the, the invasion or shortly afterwards because they had no means of procreation. And unfortunately, in this case, life did not find a way. Yeah, but mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, they they just look like blue skinned humans with white hair. Um, and they got not... like cool sigils on them. <laughs> that was like, they're, well, we're different from Vidalkin because we got cool sigils. I, I mean, if you get like a a Maori tribal tattoo on your shoulder, does your race change? I don't know if that's like a <laughs> dis- distinguishing well, racial characteristic. They, well, I thought they just had them or did, did they get the tattoos after afterwards? Is that like, 
they got the tattoo. I figured they just like that was part of like you were born a Metathrian and you get like um, may- I, I don't know. Okay, I, I have no right, clue. I, I don't know if there's a way I, to prove this. Yeah, I assumed that they were tattoos. Um, because that would be really weird if you. But I mean, whatever. It's a story about magical bioengineering. So whatever. I guess <laughs> anything's fair game. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we're not going to belabor that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you want to move on to the next category? Yeah, absolutely. So these are um, basically types that were used uh, as a basically a token that was created by a single card. So like a single card made this token and never again have we seen it. We haven't seen it on a card. We haven't seen other tokens of this type being made. Um which on some of them is like really terrible because there's uh, multiple instances when that could have worked or like ways to put them all together. But um, do you want me to just kind of go over them in particular? Or do you want me to, to like list what cards they were printed with? Or uh, I don't even know if it matters what the card is. I'll, I'll, I can um, I can read these off. So I'm gonna just quickly read off the list and uh and and sort of offers and then maybe afterwards we can offer some suggestions for like existing types that could easily replace these ones so uh caribou is one token type made on a single card in ice age <laughs> orb tokens were created by a uh, single card in alliances uh, pincher tokens are made by summoning station from fifth on prism tokens are made by diamond kaleidoscope uh which i think was in mirage or visions it was Visions, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, surf tokens are made by Sengir Autocrat from Homelands. Uh, splinter tokens were made by Splintering Wind from Alliances. Yeah. And then we have, this is like the most egregious, terrible thing. Uh, these are all separate creature types, only made for tokens, only by one card apiece. Uh, Pentavite, Tetravite, and Triskelevite, which is, they're all just like, artifact creature tokens that fly and some of them like sack to deal damage but like i don't see why these couldn't just be thopters like they those there's three types and they just all should be thopters like they even made thopter squadron which is like basically the same design as tetravite but with like a creature type that ended up being supported for decades afterwards and also just like a lot less janky in terms of like the mechanical execution of the concept um but some of the like some of the other possible replacements like having both surf and peasant as supported creature types is i mean it's it's not nonsense but like you know given that this is we're not trying to do like species level classification or or just like (laughs) we are trying to group things together to some extent. A a lion is not a tiger, but they'll both be called cats in magic. I think we can perhaps lump serfs together with peasants. Um, And then like caribou and elk, like I like elk is a supported creature type on many, many different cards. I would be hard pressed to name a single distinguishing characteristic between caribou and elk other than one is, I know one is bigger than the other, I don't remember which one it is. <laughs> like, like you tell me what the difference is between caribou and elk. I'm pretty sure elk are bigger just because like I've seen an elk in real life. And if a caribou was bigger than that, I would 
<laughs> I'd be pretty amazed. Um, <laughs> but um, I might be wrong. You know, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah, all of these are pretty silly. Um, again, this is like the only argument for doing something like this is whimsy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like mechanically, a lot, especially like the pentavites, the tetravites, those guys like would be much much better if they just fell online and were thopters. Um, so it would be a buff to the card as well. Um, yeah, so kind of silly, kind of sad. Um, there's definitely people out there that are probably fans of it. So uh, if you are a fan and you think that it's good that these creature types exist, I, I do want to hear your reasoning. So please at us. But do you want to you want to get into the next grouping, which is basically like one and done. <laughs> We, yeah, we used yeah. these creatures once and we were good. And we realized it was a mistake that's been canonized in magic rules ever after. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, uh, I mean, this is, I guess, like slightly better, but these are types used for a single cycle and never again. So more than a single card, but uh, still like not in, in terms of if you, if you are like me and think that like, types should have to carry some kind of weight like you know you would want that they you would want to introduce types that like are useful and and, like can be reused on many cards potentially and these are all like you know five cards and then that's it forever so the the first member of this this grouping is a bringer so the bringers were a, a cycle of five cards from fifth on um they all cost nine mana uh, like seven mm and but you can cast them for their alternate cost of wooberg and they all have some sort of upkeep triggers i think they're all five fives um and they all kind of look like they're made of crystal or um or mineral or something but really like what is if you said the word bringer to somebody it's not going to evoke anything close to what it is in magic. Like I don't think there's really any benefit to calling a bringer, a bringer instead of like an elemental Mm -hmm. or like an avatar or like a God. Yeah. Avatar. That's fine too. Yeah. Like there's so many creature types that kind of like imply what a bringer is supposed to like be doing, uh, that are more evocative than bringer. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah, so not not a great one. Similarly, we have Nephilim, which is only used for the cycle of Nephilim from Guild Pact. They're all uh, four color creatures, um, which is you know I, I guess like a, a thing to do, a neat thing at the time. Yeah, um, but I have there's extra like beef with Nephilim. If you want to finish here, the explanation. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll just say that like with Nephilim, it's un it's there's like no clear at least like all the bringers look the same like they're all like just different colors of crystal okay i can uh, there's some cohesion among them and something that i mean it doesn't really like set them apart from other creature types but at least they look like each other the nephilim don't look anything like each other i couldn't really tell you what the hell a nephilim is supposed to be because all five members look completely bizarre uh and and nothing like each other 
And also like the word Nephilim doesn't have any cachet to it. Unless you are like a biblical scholar, yeah. you're not going to have any clue what the hell a Nephilim could, could possibly mean. And also it doesn't matter because it's certainly doesn't have anything to do with like descendants of angels. They're just ancient, like, like Nephilim in magic just means ancient weird thing on Ravnica. It doesn't have anything to do with the, the Hebrew Bible. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So very bizarre. Tell me your problems with the Nephilim type. Yeah. So this is my beef with Nephilim. So I think that it's really like the idea of like crazy old like creature, like similar realm or vein to like an elder god, but like less nefarious, like just like a thing that's so old and ancient that like it has like this immense power and then we never saw him again. I think that's fine. That's cool. That's evocative. And um, I love stuff like that. I think the problem is like they not only like strayed so far from like what the Hebrew Bible kind of like had Nephilim as because they're really like not described well. They're basically described as like like giants uh, <laughs> like kind of. Um, so the meaning of Nephilim kind of s- assumes that like the etymologies of the words from the the ancient like texts. Um, are all like given value like very precariously <laughs> like the like the words and like the translations are very tenuous and like easily argued um so they could be anything and so the idea of them is like angels or something like that um it could be you know like who who knows is kind of the point they're just these ancient biblical creatures and because of that like using them in the way where like what if it was a funny four color weird thing it's kind of fun you know but then they didn't make them legendary so people couldn't use them as commanders years later and even in the moment like why would i want like multiple like of some of the nephilim you know like some of them don't necessarily play well in multiples other than like saying the dune brood or whatever like some of them did and some of them didn't um so i feel like it was just like wasted cachet like they could have created something really cool in magic based off of like a real world source which is what some of the coolest like magic creature types are and they just failed immensely and then they didn't go back to it they didn't like fix it they weren't like here's nephilim on another plane or you know like anything like that they're just like "Mm, okay bye and they dropped it and it's Mm -hmm. like oh come on like you not only did you like not spike it this first attempt you're not even gonna like fix it or try again or like put him somewhere else it was just like really lame they had this like really cool vague uh area that they could explore and they kind of just punted it (laughs) so feels Mm -hmm. bad um but can i get into the uh the next creature type is that okay yes yeah so this one is uh i think only from mercadian masks is that correct um Mm -hmm. so it is uh the monger creature type um so basically mongers uh so mercadian mass was like the it was like the biggest market in the multiverse um you find anything there things just kind of found their way to mercadia especially like the big city um and so mongers were the cycle of creatures that um had this funny activated ability they all there's uh, one in each color and they all had pay to do a thing any player can do this so like warmonger is the red one it says um it's a three three for four three in a red 
It says two generic warmonger deals one damage to each creature without flying in each player. Any player may activate this ability. Um, this one I think fails. It should have dealt it to like anything else. You know, mm-hmm. like it should have. Like, why does it kill itself? Just yeah. Like that's that's so funny. <laughs> but well, the, the the idea is you got to use your other mongers. See, so like use your yeah. monger to give your warmonger pro red. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other ones, there's Sailmonger, which gives your creatures flying. Uh, anyone can do this. There's um, Scandalmonger, which uh, you can target player discards a card. Uh, you can only do it at sorcery speed, but anyone can do it. Squallmonger deals one damage to each creature with flying in each player. Um, so like the Hurricane to Warmonger's Earthquake. And then Wishmonger um, gave a creature protection from a color. Um, so that was the cycle. Um, they're kind of fun, you know, like if you're playing like casual commander circles, like they're pretty silly. They can make some really funny things happen, but like there are so many creatures in magic that are salespeople mm-hmm. <laughs> that you didn't need to create one for, for this, like what, why these five cards? Yeah. Yeah. So why, why? Why make a salesperson creature type and then never use it again? They could have just been like minotaurs or like human wizards or like, you know, whatever. And instead they like created this whole funny creature type and and never went back to it. So I think that's a missed opportunity. And I I think it's like kind of not good (laughs) for the game, you know, to have all this extra baggage. Yeah, I I totally agree. There's, as you've mentioned, there's so many other people who are uh, like seller of songbirds. Why is that not a monger? Like, or or if you can't apply it consistently, then you probably just shouldn't have it as a type. Like, I don't think the game is better off for having the monger type, definitely. Yep. Um, Yep. And also, like, worth noting the monger, well, whatever, they're. United by the fact by their jobness, um, the next creature type is not even clear like what they are flavorfully like what the flavorful <laughs> connection is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so this is the the Volver cycle. Um, so the the Volvers are a cycle of creatures from Apocalypse. They all uh, like are base one color but then they have kickers two kicker abilities uh one for each of the enemy colors so dagavolver for example is base white creature but it has both red and black kickers and so on and so forth throughout the cycle um it's very unclear what evolver means they don't look anything like (laughs) each other one just looks like a human another looks like a minotaur with bat wings uh, <laughs> I have no idea what they're really going for with these the, yeah, the flavor also, here. So I can say, like, as this is when I was playing, like, starting to actually like key in and play for real, because mm-hmm. uh, I had like vaguely played before this, but like Invasion was the first block where I was like, "Hey, can mom? Can I stop by Seven Eleven and pick up a pack of Magic cards? <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff." Um, and well, part of the advertisement for Apocalypse was the Volvers. They thought the Volvers were going to be like really strong, like cycle of basically build your own creatures. Um, and they were basically advertised 
like that, like basically the Build-A-Bear of magic creatures. So I don't know if they were ever planning on using them again, but um, the art was really disjointed like on purpose because like this thing could do any of these things on it and it could be like a flyer, or it could be a regenerator. Like what does that mean? Who knows? Um, so yeah, we only got it on these five cards, uh, which kind of blows... But like the only thing that unites the Volvers is that they have kicker <laughs> and that they're like mm-hmm. somewhat modular. Um, but I don't think they did really well. I don't think any of them saw tournament play because um, like all that they did was like be better. So um, let me throw like Rack of Aller, which I think was the only one that did see tournament play at the time. It was a two, two for three, two and a red. Uh, it has kicker one and a white and or blue. Uh, if you paid the white kicker, it enters with two plus one plus one counters on it and has uh, like pseudo lifelink. So whenever it deals damage, you gain that much life. And then if you paid the blue kicker, Rack Evolver comes into play with a plus one plus one counter on it and has flying. So if you pay six mana for this, you end up with a five five flying lifelink. Uh, you know, not bad, not terrible, but four mana, it's a three three flyer, not the best. And mm-hmm. uh, five mana, it is a four four lifelink, also kind of underrate so they were very safe um not pushing things this was when um fires of yavamaya the first fires deck that went through standard was like raging so um that deck was very fast and very good <laughs> and and uh not something a rack evolver could really keep up with <laughs> so um yeah these guys fell they fell pretty flat and uh, i don't know if we'll ever see them again yeah, I don't like like what is even the point? I mean, the creature types are are mostly there for flavor and a little bit for mechanics. Like the Volver has zero meaning in terms of flavor and also zero meaning uh I mean it certainly doesn't have any relevance for like tribal effects. Mm-hmm. So why even introduce it? Yeah, you know what's funny too is because the next creature type, this is a great segue into it. This was just the era where they really, really liked making one-off cycles of like mm-hmm. creatures that they never used again because the next ones we're going to talk about are basically the same. They are the Sliths. Uh, and Slith was a creature type from the Mirrodin block. There were five originally in Mirrodin and then the last one, uh, oh, not the last one, the Arcbound Slith was in Darksteel. Was that what it was? That's um, right. Yeah, and so basically, a slith is like a creepy little like golem-looking creature, um, mm-hmm. and when they hit you, they get a plus one, plus one counter, and then they all have some other abilities. So um, I think the one that saw the most play was Slith Firewalker, which is a 1-1 one, one with haste for red-red, so a 2-mana, 1-1 one, one haste, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um so, you know, if you get in there early, it starts getting bigger, it becomes a problem. Um, and they all did that. The black one regenerated, the white one has flying, the one from Darksteel Arcbound Slith has a uh, modular, so you can move the counters onto something else, but it starts as a two mana one one, so not the best. Um Green is trample, the blue one is uh uh thieving magpie, <laughs> which <laughs> is pretty silly. So like if it oh no, if it becomes blocked, you draw cards. Yeah, the opposite. reverse magpie. Yeah, so that one's pretty fine. That's fine. But yeah, just definitely like, why? These could have just been the same. Like you could do the same things. Like Slith Firewalker could have been red, red for a 1-1 haste. 
And it could have been a human. It could have been a goblin. It could have been uh, a mirror. You know, like, I guess they didn't do colored creatures. But, like, from all of the creature types that were possible on Mirrodin, like, and which of which there were many, many different ones, right? So, like, they had ogres and warriors and artificers and dragons and, um, like, could have been anything <laughs> and it and it <laughs> wasn't um they just were like you know what no it's better just to make this new so to me that's um weird it's like kind of funny I, it's part of me really likes seeing stuff like this because it's like oh new art new creature new lore like all this like fun stuff but like when they don't come back to it when they don't use it again like what what's kind of the point, the point. like yeah, yeah. That it's like okay, you could have like added to warrior tribal, or you could have um, given humans like a cool card or something like that. And instead, you have this like funny little like golem guy, and he's mm-hmm. standing there in the the rust fields, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, like, that's it. Not not a great one. Not my favorite creature type. Mm-hmm. Um. We can move on to another one from the, the same era that, you know, was also only on a handful of cards. Um, this is the Zubera type. Um, so I can kind of get what they were going for here. So um, basically, like the Zuberas, there's uh, five of them that are part of a common cycle and then two uncommon ones uh, that were printed separately in, in a later set in the same block. But these are all from Kamigawa. And uh, the common cycle, at least, like all have death triggers that uh, count the number of Zubras put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn. So, for example, like uh, when Emberfist Zubra dies, it deals damage to target creature or player equal to the number of Zubras that died this turn. Um, so I I get why they might want to use the Zubra type or, or like have a type kind of unique to this creature type so that you can't game it so easily. Um, but really like outside of the limited format, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. But like you can just pick any creature type not used in the set and just use that as your marker for this this thing. Like, okay, I don't want you know, if it said spirit, it would be probably super messed up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if they just picked like, I don't know, anything like uh, Rhino, <laughs> like, yeah, you could, there's there's anything could have served this purpose. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of options. Um, and even and like, of course, this, the latter two Zubras, the ones printed in um, Saviors of Kamigawa, don't even have the Zubra type. They don't reference uh, the creature type. So, so or they don't have the Zubra mechanic. So why? So it's it's just to count more for your existing Zubras. Like, I I don't see any benefit to adding this type. There's there's just ways. It just seems to me like they weren't thinking at all about like conservation of creature types or like you know. Pre- introducing something that would actually be useful in the future. Yeah, so 
I, I really don't have too much to add to this, but it is interesting to like look at like what Zubera are, like what they're going for. So Zubera is based off of like this like Japanese ghost, basically, uh, like a yokai um, that um, was called a Nopera bow. And I'm probably saying that wrong. So like Nopera bow were basically like humans that had been basically lost their faces to another Nopera bow or some other yokai. Um, and so then they they basically would wander around and if they caught you alone, they'd steal your face. Um, so <laughs> that's where they came from. Like really interesting. But yeah, everything you said is still true. That doesn't make what you said not true at all. Um, and I guess this gets us to the last one, which they did one cycle of and like, I don't, maybe we'll get more if we go back to Theros. Spoiler, it's Demigod. So demigods were just a cycle of uncommon legends from Theros. Uh, they all were like the gods chosen for uh, Theros Beyond Death, it, like the set itself. Um, so Anax, Harden in the Forge, was chosen by Perforos to be his champion and given some godlike powers in the story. Uh, can you read that story anywhere? Absolutely not. They didn't print it. So um, <laughs> th- th- we got this cool like demigod type and like no, no interaction with like, how did Tamaret become chosen by Erebos? Like what, what is the point of it? Like Daxos, Hey, you're blessed by the sun. You're picked by the sun God to be his champion. That's cool. Uh, okay. I, <laughs> moving on. I guess. Like, <laughs> like there's no way to interact with this as like a, uh, player who's interested with the story it's just like this story beat that is given to you and then we just moved on uh and i think that's really lame i don't know if there's anything you want to add to it uh just that like it's to me it betrays like sort of a lack of understanding of what player what excites players like i don't think that people are well okay based on just like my anecdotal experience and my interactions with people i don't think like the demigod type is exciting to anyone i think that the (laughs) god type is very very exciting to people like uh god tribal like is you know it's in like the probably the top 25 or 30 uh tribal decks or like tribal archetypes on edh rec um people really love their god tribal decks i got a friend who has a god tribal deck i'm sure Many of our listeners know somebody who has one. Uh, so, like, actually, honestly, I should have just put this in, like, mm, unnecessary hybrid types. Like, like Demigod, okay, it is a real concept from Greek mythology. But, like, you would have communicated the concept just fine if you had it be, like, a human god. Um, and that way you'd have, you know, you'd have backwards compatibility with existing things or provide more options for people who were excited about gods or, or you don't even have to flavor them as demigods. You could just have this be any other creature type. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love this type. I don't think it really adds anything. You certainly can't use it outside of Theros and I'm not even sure they would necessarily use it again on Theros. So not an amazing introduction to the roster of available creature types yeah no i mean i i agree with you i think that that they could have done something with it and they didn't but um 
you want to zoom through like one of this big uh, sections we got or uh, if if you're ready to get through it. Yes. Uh, so this next section is any type that's just an anthropomorphization of an animal that's already a supported type. And and we've complained about plenty of these before, but I'll just run through them really quickly. Like there is the Suricar type only used on Zendikar. What is a Suricar? Of course you don't know because it's a made up word for magic. Uh, but, you know, based on like the, the, the like flavor text and like the art and some of the stories, it's kind of just like a lizard or a salamander. So I don't know why they can't just call it or a, a lizard or a salamander. Like they have the amphin, which are clearly salamanders, but they are just like humanoid salamanders, but they're just typed as salamanders. They probably should have done the same thing with Suricar. Similarly, there is the Viashino. Uh, Viashino are, they believe they are descended from dragons. It's not entirely clear if that's actually true they might just be lizards but they're humanoids and there's not a clear reason why they aren't just typed as lizards or dragons especially especially given like now that D is integrated with magic and we have like these dragonborn which are humanoid dragons that don't fly and they're like normal smallish size creatures there's no reason we couldn't just use the same typing for Vyashino. Uh, what's another one of these these anthropomorphized types that really don't need a oh, separate yeah. type? Oh yeah, I mean this is the classic debate of the Naga. Uh, so we had snake tribal for a while, a little while. There'd been snakes in Magic going back to I think antiquities. Um, uh, at bare minimum, like around then with like visions or something, there's like the snake I basket. Right? There was like, for sure in Legends, like Serpent Generator. So yeah, there's... it was Legends what it was. So yeah, get back to like 94 or 95 or something like that. Um, so, and, and then we'd gotten other sets with like um, like Kamigawa with Snake Tribal and other places. And then we get Nagas. And Nagas are really cool. Depending on where you're from, they're like semi-divine. They're like half human, half snake. They're like serpentine beings. Um, some places like have them like residing in the underworld, um, and there's been like rituals throughout various a- areas of like South Asia for like thousands of years that like either worship or talk about nagas. Um, and it was okay, so I'm glad I looked this up because they're in Hinduism, they're in Buddhism, Jainism. Uh, which is that how you say that word? I think Jainism? I think it's Jainism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jainism, um, like there's a few different religions that talk about them. Um, and they have different names in those places. There's Naga, Nagi, uh, Nagin, uh, Nagini. So they're in like various folklore. They talk about them like Indiana Jones and stuff like that. Um, so like really cool, really cool imagery. Um, sometimes they are like a person with arms and like a snake body. Sometimes they're like a snake with like multiple like humanish heads. Sometimes it's just a snake with a human head. Like there's a bunch of different ones, but like for the sake of magic and unless you're like a like cultural like scholar or like like practicing one of the religions that like kind of knows about nagas or like playing D&D where nagas are are like included sometimes like why why are they separate like why not just be a snake so that's really that one um and I can move on to the next one if you want this one I don't have nearly as much to say about um 
Yeah. Well, I, hold on. I'll I can introduce this, but I do want to get okay. your thoughts on it because yeah, I know, absolutely. like you've been okay. Well, the the type here is null G N O L L, and this is something that was introduced to magic in the Adventures in the Forgotten Realms and um, reintroduced in Baldur's Gate. But this is a D and D specific type that basically just means a humanoid hyena, and I mean, as somebody who like hasn't played a ton of D and D, certainly doesn't have a long history with it. Um, I don't see the like. Null doesn't seem like a word that your grandmother would know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it. Just seems like another piece of vocabulary you would have to introduce to somebody. Uh, whereas, like hyena is an existing type, and everyone knows what that means. And I don't see why null needed its own type when like we have rocks which are rhinos or loxodon which are elephants or leonin which are cats like why i don't see why nulls just aren't typed as hyenas yeah no i agree with you there um there's like a tenuous connection so D, which um got a lot of inspiration from like past fiction um like Obviously, Gary Gygax would have been upset if you just mentioned, like, uh, Tolkien and Tolkien high fantasy, because he liked a lot of different fantasy and stuff like that, but that was a big one. Um, a lot of those people, like Tolkien and, like, um, Ursula K. Le Guin and people uh, liked this book called The Book of Wonder um, by this Irish writer, Lord uh, Dunsany, I think was his name. And he, there's just a bunch of creatures, like he, he had like fanciful creatures in his books. And one of the creatures in like, I think this is like, Wikipedia says this is the seventh book that he wrote in this like kind of series of like short story collections of like fantasy stories, um, had creatures that were called uh, gnolls, but G-N-O-L-E-S. And they're just kind of like a humanoid race with like fur and stuff like that. So D&D, when D&D was happening made gnolls like kind of codified them more as hyena like creatures like people hyena guys who are just like kind of unequivocally evil so that you didn't have to feel bad like tearing them down with your paladin greatsword um that's where they come from <laughs> and uh not a lot there to riff on you know it's like okay well these are created by D to be bad guys for your like level three party um there's no reason you need to carry that like weight of like lore in with this creature type and kind of separate them from what could be something really cool in the future. Um, but the, yeah, because like what? There's like four gnolls now in Magic and they're kind of lackluster. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the, the next one is is uh, contentious, but I think after uh, New Capenna, um, it's not as contentious because we saw they kind of dropped the ball on them. They they needed beaks. Uh, this is cephalid. <laughs> so do you want to talk about cephalid and and what they should have been? Yeah. So cephalids uh, are are clearly just squid people. Um, it's not. It, I mean, doesn't have it's it's not a word with any cachet. It's something totally unique to magic. Um, in Odyssey, they had they like at least were like pretty consistent in terms of how they looked. Um, but it was like a word you had to learn and it is odd to like have, I mean, I mean, it runs into the same problem that most of these do. Like 
squid is a supported type. So why are the squid people not just squids? Why force people to learn a word to describe this thing? Um, and, but, you know, you could make an argument like, oh, the, you know, the Odyssey cephalids are like, they are certainly like less humanoid than most humanoid races. They have like the beak and the huge head and the tentacles and, um, you know, it's less of a, it, it's, it's more of a stretch, you know, compared to most of these races. But then we get to Nucapenna and the cephalids are literally just like squid people. They are human form <laughs> in all ways, except like perhaps skin tone and like their hair is a little odd. Um, but at, at that point, like just call them squids. Like there's, you got to retire the word if you're just going to make them, you know, blue humans again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's like no reason to keep it going. So I, I loved old cephalids. I thought they were cool. Uh, the reason for them was that they had, uh, they wanted the creature types in Odyssey to be new. They're like, oh, people like new different creature types. Let's come up with a few of them. Like we use Mirfolk all the time for blue. That's another one. And they're like, what about squid people? And they're like, what do we call them? And they came up with cephalid. And I think a lot of people like cephalid because it's like nostalgic for them because it was when they started playing. Um, I mean, that definitely is for me. I would definitely say that's true. But there's no reason other than like wouldn't that be fun <laughs> that they do <laughs> exist so i think they should have just been squids and they should be squids from now on um and the last the last one do you want to get into the last one before we we move on to the next little section yeah this one is particularly egregious because it's actually two types uh that mean the same thing and could easily be combined with another so this is homerid and camerid uh, and God, I hate the Camerid creature type. Camerid is so <laughs> dumb. Um, Camerids, it, like Camerid is just the word for a juvenile homerid. So there's in no other place in magic is like the juvenile form of something given a different creature type than the adult form. Um, <laughs> even even like eggs, even eggs in magic, like if it transforms into something else like Ludifix test subject or smoldering egg or whatever, or dragon egg. Like in each case, it just also has the type of the thing it becomes. Like, but camerids, like not even being like camerid homerids makes no sense at all. It's the same thing. You don't get your, your race does not change when you get like, when you turn 18, <laughs> it's insane. Um, and of course, like there is a crab type already. Homerids and camerids are both just like, crustaceans that are kind of sentient but they are words invented by magic people so i don't know why you wouldn't just leverage existing knowledge instead of forcing people to learn two new words for the same concept uh, yeah complete madness yeah definitely very egregious like <laughs> but yeah i guess let's uh let's start wrapping this up we don't we don't really have any more um super egregious types but there's one type in particular that we wanted to call out because of the way it's been used um and i, I would say this is the used. i i would i would actually say this is the most egregious this is the one that that grinds my gears the most okay yeah I, I mean the whole thing here is i mean this whole episode is just like you know ranting about things that don't make any sense <laughs> this is the least sensical of anything we're going to talk about today uh and that is the tentacle creature type there's 
no no logic at all behind why like is they don't have hand creature types okay they don't have foot creature types why is tentacle a creature type like they introduced it for nadir kraken like you know it's a token type created by nadir kraken when you pay mana and you draw cards blah 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 um but like and it's sort of communicating the idea that oh like you know more tentacles are rising to the surface or it's growing new tentacles or whatever, but they're still flavorfully, they're connected to the, to the Kraken. Like it is the same organism or so like, why would you give it a different type? And like, why would you assign a creature type to something that is not a distinct creature? That is not a distinct organism from anything else. It's just a different part of the same body. Like you can hand, you can like communicate the same idea without, introducing a type that makes no sense at all like we we saw in coma cosmos serpent coma creates uh they create three three blue serpent creature tokens named coma's coil so you get the idea that like oh like you know more coils of this one entity are appearing as it as time passes but you you like provide that information with the name and the type makes sense like it's still the same entity it is still a serpent uh so i don't i'm i mean i'm glad they did that for coma they should have done that for nader kraken because tentacle i i don't understand what was going through their mind when they introduced this creature type absolutely um yeah i i (laughs) i agree i think it's the silliest one and definitely when i saw tentacle token i was like that's that's so stupid (laughs) 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 it's so terrible um yeah i think coma was a better way to handle it and i don't understand why they didn't just do that i feel like sometimes they forget that they just make the rules that they just like they can do whatever they want sometimes they remember that and it's bad and you get like the deans with like a few hundred words on a single Mm -hmm. card on both sides and then sometimes they forget it and you get tentacles as a creature type (laughs) so (laughs) it's I don't know. Yeah, it's, I guess it's what day you catch uh, catch some of the members R and D on. But um, yeah, my my sense of like the the shepherding of creature types is that there is no authority, and that's why it's like so inconsistent and nonsensical. It's kind of it's just a lot of like whoever's in the room at the time makes the yeah. call. Yeah, um, but that doesn't mean that they're always bad. So that just because we've been ranting this entire episode <laughs> about like what could have been or the ways in which um like these were bad or we think they're nonsensical doesn't mean they haven't created like original types that weren't good so this last section we're going to talk about just a few types that we think like are evocative that are cool um are creature types that magic introduced that like serve the game and are resonant um and i think you had some really good examples do you want to talk about this a little bit yes so uh these are all types that like are worth learning. I think that players are better off for learning these types because uh because like they are presented in such a consistent way. Uh they're like have a, a really distinctive look. Like so all all the members of the types we're about to talk about, like they look like each other. You there is like a uh common through line in their like visual representation. And they don't look like anything else. For these th- three types, like you're not there, there's not like an easy replacement where it could be. Like I, I look at a null and I think just call it a hyena. 
these things, these these types we're about to talk about, I don't know what else I would call them. Um, so the the three like real slam dunks of totally unique to magic creature types that add something to the game are slivers, Eldrazi, and Phyrexians. Um, like slivers have that really unique presentation. Like they, with one uh, exception, which was almost certainly a mistake. They don't have eyes. They've got that barbed arm at the front. They have the tail going backwards, um, the, the wedge-shaped head. Like they're visually very distinct from anything else, but they're consistent. Like they've they've found many different ways to represent different types of slivers that all are recognizably slivers. So I, I think creatively they've done an excellent job, minus that uh, ill-advised like foray into the humanoid slivers we saw at one point but um really i think slivers are are great another excellent introduced creature type is eldrazi uh the eldrazi like they come in many different forms but they have been really consistent in like a cohesive presentation at least along the lines of the lineages like yeah emrakul's lineage don't look a whole lot like Ulamogs, but Emrakul's, but they look like each other. Like you can look through the the Eldrazi typed cards in Eldritch Moon, and they all have, you know, tentacles and mutation, and and they all look like each other. Um, and and similarly for like Kozilek's brood, Ulamog's brood, Eldrazi are recognizable. And they don't look like anything else. They look alien. They, uh, you know, just are often without the the orifices and sensory organs that we would typically look for on on something living. Um, but they're distinct, and I think mm-hmm. they're a, a good type. And and of course, like it's been used many many times. They're prominent in the story. Um, it's worth it for a new player to learn what an Eldrazi is. So that they can just better understand the game, um, and and of course, like they have like, uh, you know, slivers have a mechanical meaning. Uh, Eldrazi often have a mechanical meaning. Um, I think that also helps with the cohesion of the tribe and the necessity of introducing a new type. And then finally, the Phyrexians. They because the Phyrexians have been around for so long, it they there are like some examples that are less uh less in line with the general rules for like phyrexian presentation but certainly like in the modern era phyrexians are pretty distinct from anything else like we have like the the integration of flesh and metal the um the black oil the like sort of science fictiony vibe that's different from pretty much everything else in magic um all these things like create like create something that is it's worth knowing and of course like prominence in the story uh some mechanical through lines like the like in fact or example um or like you know sacrifice obsession with death uh i i think it's worth learning the phyrexian type in contrast to a lot of the types we've spoken about today mm-hmm. so yeah, and- I, I i definitely don't want to 
uh, say that like magic should never introduce new types, but they should do it when it serves a purpose and definitely serves a purpose for all three of these examples. Yeah, exactly. And and this isn't even talking about the best creature type in all of magic, which is Beebles. So, you know. Oh, I, I thought uh, for sure you were going to say Brushwag. Oh. <laughs> yeah, two of them now. We got two. Yeah. Two Brushwags. Um, but that is it. That's the whole show. Um, so, I don't know. If you liked this foray into... It, it, <laughs> this episode's a little bit ranting, but also like legitimately, like there, what what is the reason? You know, like the game and the cards could be more cohesive uh, in just even little ways, like looking at the creature type line. So, if you have a creature type you have beef with, if you have beef with a creature type we had beef with, um, if you just want to talk about your favorite creature type, like let us know. Uh, the links to all of our socials will be in the show notes, and uh, and yeah. Oh yeah, and also if you think I'm crazy for caring this much about creature types please let me know give me a reality check tell me i need to touch grass those messages are welcome as well mm-hmm. um but with that i think we can go ahead and wrap up uh, i want to mm-hmm. give a brief thank you to our patreon patrons they are gustav addison rick Raphael, kyle laser charlotte the white clays hannah james logan roger bryce dylan benjamin jamie matthew kyle brandon kevin jeremy russell dylan micah troy roxanne charles daniel andrew jason paul johan jonathan Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal Brutal, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Mifflin, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, and BJ. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. I think Kavu are perfect, too. They're, they're, no, no notes on Kavu. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't figure out a way to work them into these categories. So Kavu... Uh, Got a stay of execution from the governor. <laughs> hey, all right. Hello, it's Zach, uh, and I'm jumping in just to say a few quick things. The first one is that if you're listening to this on the day of its release, on a Thursday, at least here on the West Coast uh, of the USA, we, we being Nick and me, are heading to Command Fest Bellevue, and uh, we're really excited to see whoever's going to be there. Uh, if you see us, we'll have some cool CT masks on um, where we we are one tall guy and one short guy with funny colored hair. So pretty easy to spot. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. We'll post a picture of what we look like. So it's as easy as possible. And jam some games with us, hang out, have a good time. Really looking forward to it. The second thing is that uh, just to reiterate something that was said at the beginning of the episode, we are going to have two feeds now, and it's another reason to be a Patreon if you would like to become one, or if you'd like to support the show, or if you like the show and really hate the ads, uh, and that's really all it took to push you over the edge. Um, The entry level is $1 a month, you get access to the Discord, a whole bunch of fun stuff, and uh, becoming a patron gets rid of the ads. So uh, you get a whole other feed going to be great it's super fun good you can you can listen just like the old days um all of these changes are basically so that we can do a lot more for the show our goal is to uh, at some point be able to actually hire someone to help us with video editing full-time well well, you know full full enough time to get all this stuff done (laughs) um so that we can make even more content for you guys so that's kind of the goal that's why we're doing it um i know it's kind of a pain in the butt but uh hopefully it's not too big of a pain in the butt and uh, hopefully the content and quality keeps getting better. So that's that. 
And the last thing is that you might notice that this is episode 199 on your feed. Um, That's actually not quite true. We are going to do something for episode 200, but the way the RSS feed kind of uh, chooses to fix numbers to episodes, it doesn't take into account bonus episodes, uh, which I always put in as half episodes, and then at some point in time it changes them to uh, whole integers. (laughs) Um, So... That's not true. And then also reruns. We've done a few reruns over the last year or two, just because sometimes sometimes you got a life, you know? Sometimes stuff gets in the way. So um, I'm going to be making some changes to the feed. I'm going to be putting the episode number in front of each episode. So if you're looking in your feed and you notice a change, like, hey, didn't I listen to the episode already? Um, what's going on? Something is different here. Uh, that's That's me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry if it changes your feed too much, but it's just kind of to make sure that we have um, actual accountability and um, aren't relying on the software that kind of changes its mind sometimes. So that's it. Um, Hope to see you all at Command Fest Bellevue. Hope to have you all in the Discord soon and can't wait to talk to you guys. Bye. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Commander Theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. 